Six Pack Lapping at, and today we got uh, Paul Mayer and Zan sitting in. Um, how, how was your weekend, sir? Let's start off with the huge. Oh, the huge. It's uh, oh. well, it's it's back to the usual. Drinking. Yeah. Carrying clearly. on. No, I had a couple birthday parties this weekend that I had to attend, so it's uh. Oh wow. I know it sounds like it's. It's the popularity. It sounds like I'm making it like it's a. Uh, a chore for me to attend. No, we had a good time. Get drunk. Of course. See, I'm still, since last time I got drunk was with you. Yep. At Robbie, Bur- Robbie Burns Day, celebrating Robbie Burns Day as well as I got married. So it's kind of like uh, we got back from the honeymoon, had that. And then, um, I that was, when's Robbie Burns Day? Mid-January. Yeah, it was, yeah, mid-January. I think it was January 19th. Was I hadn't drank from there all the way to Canadian Nationals because, you know, I just, it, when you drink the next day, it takes a little something out of you. And uh, so I and it also impacts the nervous system, not just being tired for that day, but overall drinking takes some of that nervous system. Hadn't drank. Last weekend, I had three beers one night. And I was like, meh. This weekend, Friday and Saturday, each had I had three beers Friday, two beers last night, and I'm like, it's not doing a fuckload for me. And I'm like, yeah. I haven't been drunk in a while. I like to, which is crazy for me. I will, time, dude, I will I was say drinking. I was not planning on getting drunk. I didn't look at the percentages of the beers, the craft beer that I bought to bring to the uh, second party. Yeah. Until about halfway through, I think I had two or three at this point, and then I realized they were ten and a half percent. Well, so you're drinking bottles of wine, basically, without wow. realizing it. So, so by the end of the party, you had your shirt off. Yeah. Your tie was around your head. Yeah. And you're making a fool of yourself. Oh yeah. Yeah, nicely done. How late did you stay until last night? I think I got home at like one thirty this morning. Oh shit! Eh? So late enough. Late enough to, to, to be intoxicated. Yeah. I, I feel like, um, do you feel like you get hungover worse as you get older? Definitely. <laughs> really? I don't know if I am. I, I don't know if it's any worse or if it's just more memorable. It sure as shit ain't getting better. No. That's for sure. Another, we also um, just found out recently. So, Kathwee, who's a king of the list athlete, just found out he made the Canadian national team for the world championships. And uh, we got to fucking go yep. out and party. We got to go and drink. Oh. So on the King of Lifts team, for anyone who doesn't know, we had three athletes going into the Canadian Nationals. You were handling all three of them. And yep. um, we ended up, all three of us making a national team. So Randy Cook, who's a co-host. Kathy, who, who we talk about often here and share them often. And myself all made the Canadian National team. You were tinkering with the idea of also being on Team Canada. I considered it, but it's just, yeah, time-wise didn't work out for me this year. Because you, you, you got, yeah, business, your your career, yep. and um, you're not making any money doing, like, Canadian team. No, as much coaching. as I like being there and, you know, coaching and handling and doing all that stuff. Like, it's fun. It's a great time. It's stressful as all hell, but... Yeah, it is, though. When, you, when you're handling for somebody, yeah. you, you feel like, like, the anxiety you have, like, oh my god, I hope I'm picking this right. Oh, I get way more anxiety handling somebody than I do when I'm lifting, like... See, I don't it's, know if I get, it's, I don't know, fuck, it depends, I think, who I'm handling. And it depends on the meat, like, I mean, if it's a local meat, you don't want to say that it's, it's less important to you, like, you feel better, if, or not better, but you know what I mean, like, if there's, if there's for less sure, less impactful if you fuck up. 100%. But at Nationals? Because, like, you're trying to qualify, you're trying to fight for the world team. Like, what you did with Kafwi, if you were just a little lower, he doesn't make the team, you know that. Yep. He does not make the Canadian national team. You squeezed every little bit you could out of that rock. End of the day, if you had missed, if you were just two and a half kilo lower, you know how competitive the Canadian national team is going to yeah. be. 
He doesn't oh, make two the and team. Two kilo lower. Yeah, he's dropping. You know, he tra- he went to he, fifth. Yeah, he literally went on body weight to make that podium. Yeah, he made the Canadian national team. Now his dream of going to the World Championships in in the first year of lifting, no less. This is Kathy's had. One of the craziest rookie years I've ever seen. From the first time he had competed, his numbers, i got to post this at some point, to what he just hit at Nationals a year later, and national records he's been breaking in the 83-kilo class, kid deadlifts in the 700s. He, he, people are going to be 699. <laughs> That's a whole other story right. we'll get into another day. But, um, yeah, like you, it, it, handling is, when it comes to Nationals, it means more because you realize... You every every lift I miss, I might be taking away from you in the bigger picture. Yeah, and if you're a lifter, if somebody who lifts as well, you know what it means to a person, right? To make that national, yeah, to make that world team means you more. know how much like what that last deadlift or going nine for nine or yeah, hitting that podium spot, yeah, or hitting that number you've got in your head, or hitting yeah, like seven hundred, yeah, or hitting <laughs> or hitting hitting a national record, or or making yeah. like the bigger. I think the bigger thing is going to the world championships. If I could yeah. talk about experiences for a second here, um, you know, some people have talked about, I think that we were talking about this earlier. Some people say like, why would I drop that money to go to the world championships? If I look at the price and I think, you know what, I, I'm going to be maybe top 10. I might get top 10 on my best day. Yeah. Why should, why would I drop the money? And here's where I want to say something. This is where I approach all things in life. Money possessions when you get older when you when you're let's say you're fucking 80 and you look back you're not going to be like wow i really love that watch i bought or wow that whatever the fuck possession you had in your house or whatever if you you'll look back and be like how cool would it have been to have actually gone to a world championships in the sport that i loved and just just yep. think about the moment you'll feel when you arrive in that other nation, people are talking a different language. You're in a hotel, you share an elevator, and you can have four different languages going on in that elevator from people all over the world. We've all all met at this hotel, at this spot, on this date. Whether it's going to be hundreds of thousands of people watching you perform, you're up there with the Brett Gibbses of the world, with the whoever the hell, Jen Thompson's of the world, and and the you know the commentary, the, the, the broadcast, the slow-mo yep. replay, and just the feeling you have backstage looking down, seeing your country on your on your chest and knowing you're about to hit that stage and everybody, people who don't know who you are, who are from your country watching and be like, fuck, I hope he does well. Every every lift you make adds points, even if you're 10th or you don't make top 10, all the points you gather goes towards the team points and people cheering for you just because of the flag on your chest. The experience you get in life, it's fucking... Oh yeah, no, it's it's more it's, than that, man. It. Life is this is all you got in life is experiences, man. That's all you got. That's all that matters, man. Right now, me talking to you, if I'm wearing a t-shirt I got for free at a powerlifting competition or a three hundred dollar t-shirt, this conversation doesn't get better or worse depending on that t-shirt I'm wearing. I fucking enjoy these conversations and hanging no, out. No, I'm the same way. It's, it's, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like um. I can say I regret some of my material purchases, whatever, like just an off the cuff spent money because I thought it was going to be Am enjoyable. Am I just guilting you right now? No. Are you like, no. Are you fucking backing me up? But what I was going to say is one thing I don't regret is any experiences I have. Like any trips I look back on, I never look back on and say I should have gone there. It's cost me too much. Isn't that, you know, I love that you said that. Isn't yep. that true though? I regret sometimes dropping dough on some stupid purchases or whatever the hell. Almost never, I don't, I can't think of. 
very unless something really terrible happened on the trip, which is totally outside oh, of that though. Even on the trips that I've had that absolutely have just had terrible experiences or whatever. Isn't that life though? Yeah. Like when you go to like Chile and you're doing that, that where was it? You've gone to some crazy places, done mountain climbing the whole night yeah. or hiking. If some crazy things happen, but that isn't that life when you look back and be like, let me tell you the story when I flew out and this happened to me. If yes, I have, exactly. If if I could give anybody advice listening, chase these I know it's a goddamn Instagram meme, but it's true. Chase the moments, man. Give a fuck less about like material bullshit. If that's who you are with like whatever the shit's in your house or whatever, like you're missing it. You're missing it. Like I it things don't change. Um, the clothes you're wearing when you're having these moments, you won't remember the clothes you wore the day you had that fucking moment. You remember the people you were with, you remember yeah. where you were, you remember what you're doing, all that. You won't remember that stupid little shit. Although you may remember it if your clothes you're wearing is like a Team Canada tracksuit. You're not gonna... Well said. And what's the meaning there? It doesn't matter if it costs you $5 or $150. It's the fucking point that you have Team Canada and what that means yeah. to you. Exactly. Money or, can't buy that. Money can't buy that. Or whatever country you're from, obviously. Yeah, well, it's, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, money can't buy an experience. A guy who has all the money in the world might not be able to make that that spot, but you could. And it exactly. doesn't matter. So, if you can make that spot, this is, if, if you can take anything out from this conversation, when you go to nationals, put in as an alternate. Cafe. Threw in as an alternate. He came in third in his weight class. Threw in as an alternate and then went down all the alternates and got to him. You're allowed five alternates. And and he's fourth. And the guy below him, um, uh, who, who 93 kilo, yep, Michael Provinza, um, also is now on the team as well. So all five alternates right down. So it doesn't matter. Don't look at the alternates and be like, I'm fifth down. You could still make it. And do it if you can. Look at it. If it's financially... I say don't worry about the money. If it's not there, it's not there. What I'm saying is, if you're thinking, I could spend that on some material bullshit, chase the experience over the bullshit. If the money's not there because it's not there, you have, I understand. I get it. But if it's if it's between one or the other, if you're thinking, well, that's a lot of weekends at the bar with the fellas or some shit, don't be a knucklehead. I've had so many weekends yeah. at the bar with the fellas that, like, I got too many and I don't need them and I don't even remember them all. There's just, it's stupid waste of money. Start thinking about the bigger picture. Because when you're older, it's these moments you'd be like, God damn, that was a hell of a week. Like, you're weak even handling at Nationals. All the nights that you were out getting drunk downtown, you would sacrifice four of those, which you've yeah. had millions, for a week in uh, Ottawa. 100%. They, I don't regret going you remember all. that for, yeah. dude, the moments we had. The we, me and you, me, you and Randy, you handling calf week, those moments you had, yeah. like, you'll be like, like, you get stories. You know, and it's, um, or four nights downtown throwing money around where it's like, it's just another goddamn weekend that keeps coming and going. This fly by, you've had so many. Um, I think that's my biggest takeaway. If, if anyone's listening, man, you've got opportunities, throw yourself out there. If people don't get it, I got friends who don't get it. We're like, why is this such a big deal? Well, whatever. It's like, because, man, we're all going to fucking, this, 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 this ride is ending. Yeah. This ride is ending, my friend. I want to look back and be like, I've had some damn moments. There's a lot of opportunities to go out and do stuff around whatever. Like I said, like go out to the bars or whatever. There's not a lot of time you're going to get an opportunity like this. No. And it's not even about, I'm telling you, man, it isn't about even necessarily the lifting itself. If you're in, no. if you're in one of these situations and you're like, ah, fuck, I'm going to be middle of the pack or wherever you're going to be. There's so many people out there. Embrace the fact how cool it is 
you're in a different country, you're around all these people, all these different languages, all the different cultures, everything. Soak it up and appreciate it. Like, holy shit, this is happening. Just take the pressure off and for a moment, allow yourself to soak up the fact that you're having a moment. And don't yeah. put the pressure on, how am I going to perform? If I don't perform well, what does that say about, it says nothing. That's just a fucking piece of it. That's a caveat. That's a little piece of it. This is life happening right now. Em- embrace it. Enjoy yeah. it. You end, of the, end of the day, when you're telling that story or to somebody else about your experience going there, you're gonna they're gonna gloss over your numbers. Well, the, the, nope. well listen, nine people out of ten won't even know if it's good or bad. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Let me even get further. Other powerlifters, if you're a 66 kilo, middle of pack 66 kilo, I don't know what's good and bad for a 66 kilo lifter. I don't know what's good and bad. For for a one of like I might because I have to commentate, so I kind of got a barometer. So maybe I'm an outlier, but most people, you're in a different weight class. You're a female, yeah. whatever seventy uh, seventy two. They don't know what's top ten, what's whatever. They don't know even if they're a power lifter. So don't worry about that. You're probably the yeah. only one who gives a fuck. The only thing they're going to be taking away, whoever you're telling back home at work or whatever. You went to the world yeah, championship. You went to the world championship. Yeah, and you were in Sweden, flew across the world. What are the crazy things you see? Oh, you should have saw, I saw a power lifter seven feet tall, 400 pounds, crazy. And they have these kind of beasts. Not Ray, but like he's a little short. They, they're dudes who are like yeah. seven feet tall walking around. You have stories. You got, you got like, this is life. And you got an experience no one knows about. And you still get to see your top 20 or whatever in the world. Like, that's... Which that is an honor that not many what's, people get to yeah, what's, top 0.0001% of the... Of, of, like, yeah, exactly. What's the worst case scenario? Your top 20 in the world. And in terms of human beings walking the earth, you're literally a one percenter. Wherever you fall at the world championships, you're a one percenter walking the earth. Whoever you're talking to is probably like, God dang. And even if they're a powerlifter, they're like, fuck, that was a cool experience. Tell me about the story anyways. Tell me about the story anyways, even if I can't wrap my head around the, the actual weights moved. People who don't, aren't even into powerlifting are going to appreciate that. Yeah. You know, I love hearing about people who fly around at the world level of whatever sport. If you got a good sports story, oh, I'm in. Yeah. You know, even if it's a sport I don't give a shit about, the story itself can still be riveting with the characters, plot twists, and whatever. Tell me about it. But, uh, but yeah, so if you got a chance, man, and keep that in mind, too, if you're commenting or when you're watching, you know, everyone's got a story that you got no idea about. And I love the story about L.S. McLean, who's a fourth alternate, fourth alternate, yep. won the world championships. He needed three people to back. He didn't win the nationals, needed three people to back out. Then he got on the team and he won the world championships. Throw in your application and chase these memories. With no further ado, though, before I start getting a tear in my damn eye. I already do. <laughs> yeah, you, you've been quiet. You're like fighting the back. But uh, uh, we got Mark Plummer. We're starting to have more people on leading into the U.S. Open, more athletes off of that roster. We want these people to get their shine, hear the background stories, new cats in the game like Mark Plummer who are, who are hitting some massive numbers. And um, you, you guys may know about guys like Ben Pollock, Yuri, obviously, guys like that, but... Let's hear about Mark Plummer. Because some of these guys yep. are coming out of nowhere, like typical of powerlifting, and just destroying numbers. So we want to have Mark Plummer on. Um, leading into the, the U.S. Open, we're going to have, you know, we had CC on before, we had Steffi on before. We'll reach out and have the big names as well. But also want to we want to have a bit of a wide range. And then we will have a preview show for the uh, U.S. Open. And then, um, and then we move into the worlds, the yeah. IPF worlds from there. Exactly. So it's going to be a fun time for the next little while. It is. Yeah, yeah. So with no further ado, let's give Mark Plummer a ring. And we have Mark Plummer getting ready for the U.S. Open. Uh, this is the big one. This is the big yeah. one, my friend. 
And how is training going? Uh, up to, yep, not going to lie. So, like, <laughs> it's weird because, like, you almost want to put, like, everything in. So I ended up, like, quitting my job, selling my house. Holy shit! Everything just to get ready for this. Dude, you just were all be- in. That is the definition. Wow. <laughs> Broke up with your girlfriend, left your kids. <laughs> <laughs> that worse. Like, I've cut a lot of people out through this prep just for the not wanting the extra stress. Holy so, moly, sir. I told myself, like, since I haven't gone into powerlifting, like, hard before, and I wouldn't even consider this one hard because I still enjoy, like, being a 21-year-old and partying and having fun. Yeah. But I told myself, like, I'd give this prep everything, so. I believe you. Yeah, Holy. with the extra stress of, like, get, I had to get reapproved after my girlfriend and I broke up, like, seven months ago. For the house, so it was like dealing with like mortgage brokers, dealing with everything, and then I'm just like, wasn't happy at work. It was like taking away from training, so I just ended it all. Holy smokes! Yeah. Total so. total life change here. Um, yeah. Do you got another source of income you could do in, uh, as opposed to? Um, I've always been into like filming, so like I film weddings, yeah. um, film people's training, just like side income to get me there. Yeah. And then hopefully if all goes well, like you can just win enough money at these competitions to keep yeah. keep traveling to them. And, and I got, I got, there. you know, I got a buddy. You can make like in terms of the type of money involved with weddings, um, oh. where there's photos, videos. My friend, oh. you can make bank. Um, no, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like the cheapest package people offer is like two thousand dollars for one wedding. That's dirt cheap. Yeah. Yeah. They're cheap. You can go. You can you can make some big bank, and then in between, if you do like like photos and stuff like that, um, like we have a f- uh, friend Emma who makes so she does it all. And obviously, when you work for yourself, um, I'm not gonna tell you. You can write off if you got an apartment <laughs> or whatever shit. You write it all off, my friend. Exactly. Like it's, yeah. uh, all business expenses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might be onto something. Sometimes there's um, you're in age where you could do stuff like that, so you might as well. You know what I mean? Exactly. We could be like. Well, that's what I was figuring because, like, I have the rest of my life to work a nine to five job that I'm gonna hate. Like, I worked <laughs> at a, re- I worked at a dental reception uh, desk as yeah. a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's a tedious, like, mind draining task. So I'm like, you know, like I'll give the lifting thing everything I have until I'm 26 or 27 and can't do it anymore and hopefully make something in that next six years. And then if I didn't, well, then I have the rest of my life to do exactly what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Do you, so do you kind of have that timeline? Here's the thing with powerlifting. Um, it can last for like exceptionally strength in terms of sports, your hand eye coordination goes, reflexes go, stamina goes but strength can fucking accumulate forever it feels like right like 26 you might not even be in your prime yet that's That's, the thing you're right (laughs) i just think like the injuries that like will continuously build up because i know like i've seen well you guys have seen it too like the people that come back from these injuries but a lot of the people aren't coming back at the same type of level that they were like when they got in it even now like i have one bulge disc on the right side of my back that like kills me every single day. Uh, I have a hernia that I haven't bothered getting fixed yet. Damn. Just because it's been like either bodybuilding show or powerlifting meet like back to back. And I've never had like six months just to get it fixed. 
And then I've broken both of my ankles twice and sprained them three times. Holy smokes, you're a young man. You're <laughs> yeah. 21. Yeah. Um, wh- yeah. How, how do you think, uh, what do you attribute those kind of injuries to? I Now I get what you mean by 26. You're like, hey, <laughs> this, this is make or break. You're like Eminem and 8 Mile. This shit's got to happen now. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So that's why I just have to give it all up. And are they like crazy injuries? Like, sure, the bulge disc hurts here and there. A hernia could get fixed. The ankles were just me being a kid. And I was still a kid. Like, I still go to the gymnastics center like three times a week. To like, jump even around. during this prep, which my coach isn't overly happy with. But what do you do with the gymnastics center? Like, tumbling, trampoline, like, dude, bounce. you're a yeah. big dude to be doing that. Can you move? Yeah. That's impressive. Exactly. So it's like, when I fell, and I still went snowboarding like every weekend this year, skateboarding every other week, but yeah. it's like when you were 160 pounds and you fell, yeah, that's okay, but yeah. being like 210, 215 when you hit I the ground. I was just about to say that I grew up skateboarding, and even then, like back when I was doing it, I was like you know 135 pounds. So falling when you're 135, a well, lot different than like... Even like... um. Like for the tum- for any kind of gymnastics situation, like when you see these people in the Olympics, um, they're not these jacked up two ten oh. style projecting that kind of mass into the air. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, like that's tough, man. Gravity, mass, and gravity. You know, it doesn't work <laughs> like that. But yeah, yeah. So that's how I ended up. Like I sprained both my ankles at the extreme trampoline. I don't know. Like I'm sure you guys have it in Toronto. Yeah. And then broke one in skateboarding, broke my other one at the gymnastics center, then went back to the trampoline place and then broke it again. Can, can, are you capable of doing some shit like, uh, what's his name? Juju? Juju Mufu? Or yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I like, I've been trying to like reach out to him a lot. So like I'll do like stuff that he's done. Like last week after I finished uh, a PR deadlift day, I did like 500 pound deadlifts for backflip reps. No shit. Did you post that? Yeah, just to try to get, like, just some traction, like, behind it. Yeah. Dude, I'll repost that. I'll (laughs) post that and tag them, for sure. Yeah. So I tried to, like, yeah, get into people like that. And then that was the main reason of, like, selling the house as well. Just because, like, it's hard. You can either be, like, the best lifter now, or you can just have a really good Instagram presence. That's true, too. Yeah. You know what? It's (laughs) funny you say that, because I think Larry Wheels... Um, didn't he say he's stepping back from competing because he just wants to focus on being a social media influencer is the term he used. Because it becomes like, it's some people, it's like a full-time job, man. Well, I mean, you know, this just as reposting Mm -hmm. people. Like it is a full-time job. If you want to constantly build up a presence on Instagram, like it's, you're on it 24 seven. Yeah. And you start having to get like partners for financial backing you got to get logos branding you got to have a a business plan like it's yeah exactly the game has changed and you guys killed it like what are you guys at now One hundred and fifty thousand followers yeah yeah just right there (laughs) and um yeah and other uh yeah other ventures are opening up where uh you know you got to do like online stores podcasting etc and uh man there's always fucking there's always more you could do but the more stuff you do um, the more just you only have so much time so you yeah. either have to find partners that are on this with you and start kind of allocating and spreading but um, if you try to grow too quick you get the wrong person with you and then you have to backstep find someone else yep. but how much have you invested you know and it becomes so you don't want to move too quickly right um, yep. 
fuck me, it's it's a it's a whole. Are, are, do you do like stuff like uh, coaching services and shit like that yet? Yeah, like I got into it probably. So I coached twenty six people last year. Um, six to the sixteen of them were for bodybuilding shows, and then the other ten were for powerlifting. Uh-huh. Wow! So even that um, twenty six people—that's that's, that's yeah. a full time job right off the top. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't work like weekends. Check ins was fr- like half of them checked in Friday, half of them checked in Saturday, and then all the changes happened Sunday. Um, but I've taken a huge step back on everything just because, like, I don't know about you guys, but I know you guys coach as well. So it's like listening to everybody else's problems is pretty draining like for you. So yeah, yeah, man. And especially if you're a good coach, cause you're emotionally invested in your people and it's, that's just energy you could be putting elsewhere in your training or it is. Um, yeah, it's interesting as a coach. Sometimes you can get so emotionally invested in someone doing well. Um, because you're, you're, you're in a large sense. If they do what you say, you're responsible. So you can get really emotionally invested and it becomes stressful, happy, anxiety, sad. Yeah. It can be yeah. all, you feel it all. It's not quite like you can have a day job where you work, pull away, and I'm done with that. You know, I'm yeah. good. Oh, you cut everything off and nothing else matters. Yeah, you leave so your job, where, yeah. That's where I'm at the point now because like I left this job, but like am I passionate about training, like training people? Yes. Am I passionate about competing? Yes. Am I passionate about filming? Yes. But I don't know if I want to make any of that a career just because it's like the minute you make something a career, it's not fun anymore. The minute like you have to post every single day at six o'clock, 4k content, it's like, it's a full-time job and your brain's constantly going. And why didn't I get that many views this time? Why didn't this get that many likes? And then you get stressed out about that and then it's not fun. It's funny you said that. We literally just were talking about that. Talking about how um, it does become a job. It becomes, and not just to the point where people like, we should, like if you're just doing your personal account, you should post and not worry about people like it, don't like it. When it becomes a business and you have financial backers who are now investing money and you're opening different revenue streams, you have to analyze data or else you're not a real businessman. They're like, mm-hmm. what does the data look like? It, so, I mean, you'd be almost a shitty businessman to be like, oh, I don't crunch any numbers. I don't pay attention. It's like, yeah, it's <laughs> you're the guy who your, your partners are going to be like, what the shit is yeah, going on yeah, you're here? Not, you're not just flying a business blind here, like instinctually. Yeah. So with what you're saying, when it's just you, you're having fun. You just post when you want to post and it's all good. Yeah. And that's great. Um, but once you go down that that laneway of business, like you said, you'd be almost irresponsible not to crunch numbers and mm-hmm. where's my reach? Who, who am I not getting? And blah, blah, blah. So yeah, man, it, I, I 100% see how it can be a game changer. And mm-hmm. um, there is that line between like job and passion. And um, you see like bands and stuff that they're, they, when they, before they blew like a Nirvana style situation and they were happy, love it. And then once they blow, and they become uber popular, becomes a job, shit just totally changes. It's a yeah. game, and you yeah. can never go back. The genie doesn't oh. go in the bottle. Exactly. Even I have a few friends um, called like the Albo Crew, and they live here in Ottawa as well. There's a group of five of them. They all have two million subs on YouTube. They Ooh. just post like funny videos. I collabed with him on like, he's like, I ate like a bodybuilder for an entire day. So I made him a meal plan and he was like throwing up food based off of how much he needed to eat. But he just said like, 
it's not fun anymore. Like they used to do that as like a little group. And ever since like last year alone, I think he made $700,000 just from, yeah, posting twice a week and having 2 million followers. But he just said it's not enjoyable anymore because it's like you post twice a week. So that's 108 videos a year or 104 videos a year. And it's like, what do you do now? It's, it's, um, constantly having to because easy enough well you you got three days in between to come up with a video no you gotta like every single week two million people expect something give me something funny entertain me entertain me twice a week constantly keep it entertaining keep having new fresh ideas but i and once you start like regurgitating shit that's the massive bad choice of words you're talking about guy eating and throwing up that's just that's that's a pun (laughs) but um pun intended but um when you start like reusing ideas or it becomes like this is the same shit. Like let's say three years from now, it's not two million. It dwindles down a little, dwindles Ooh. down a little more. Now all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, you know, this is money. I got people who are expecting checks and stuff. And you're like, fuck, I got to turn this around. There's pressure. Whenever there's money, there's pressure and you got to end. It's not just the creating of all the stuff behind it, editing these videos, booking yeah. people and... Yeah, man, it, it, it's game changers. It mm-hmm. is, it is. Um, you know, I was reading quotes the other day about like Pat. Sometimes I look up quotes, right, just for like to get myself some motivation, inspiration. And um, there's a quote about passion about when it comes to like your passion in, in your business. And it said something along the lines of like, if you start getting paid for what you're passionate about, you've you've got it made. But then I started thinking, sort of. But then I started thinking, well, we were just talking about like, yeah. unless unless because you get paid for it, now you're not passionate about it. You, it's like you wanted it all and you're not supposed to get it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're not supposed, maybe your passion should not be associated with money because money is, changes everything. Maybe you should like hold it, nurture it and be like, I don't want to fucking sully this. You know, I don't know. I feel yeah. flip flop on that. Yeah, and that's where it gets hard because especially in lifting and powerlifting in specific, and that's probably where it goes into like, I think that's why like being fat powerlifters are out now yeah. is because like how many PRs can you hit in a week? Yeah. Like I've tried, yeah. like my last prep where I didn't put any like percentages together, didn't put anything together. I'm just like, I'm going to go eight weeks straight and try to PR every single week and see what happens, you get to a point where, like, you have nothing left to post. You just (laughs) hit all your PRs, and then are you going to post a picture of you being 75 pounds overweight, like, on your Instagram? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So then it's like you run out of content to post, and then that's where you see these, like, top, top end lifters. Yeah, sure, you go through, well, some of the top, top lifters don't even post on Instagram because they don't want to show the competition they're training. Mm -hmm. Then you have the ones that do post on Instagram during their meat preps, but then you come off all the drugs, you come off everything, you're not really strong, you're pretty weak, you train like a bodybuilder, you're probably hurt, and then you don't post on Instagram for four months, lose all your followers, and just have to try to build it back up. It's it's tough because, um, and like you said too, sometimes... So let's say after the meet, you have to, and you don't have much to post, you start feeling like to give content, you have to get so personal to the point where, hey, I'm, I'm with my buddy and we're about to whatever the fuck and we're taking pictures. And hey, I just ate this food, take a picture. Hey, I'm out with my wife and you take a picture. Hey, just like, so you're like, there's some people who are like social media influencers 
every I see everything they do all day, every day. If a day goes by and in their Instagram story, I haven't seen what they did. It's weird, right? And um, when I'm in about my day, the good thing I like, at least with King of the List, I'm showing other people's stuff. I do podcasts and stuff, but I don't have to like show my life to do to do it. So I can, when I go out and about, I think I'll be stressed to be like, I got to take a picture of this moment. The moment is in the moment. I got to capture it, yeah. post it. I love just being in the moment and fuck it, right? But if you if you yourself are your brand, you got to post that out because it can't all be PRs. I need to relate to you on a personal level. So now, like, you're more than just Mark who I see smashing weights. Now I really like you. You're a good guy. You're funny. You got vulnerabilities I identify with. You have, like, strengths and, like, all this stuff. And, like, wow, now I really like... That's why these podcasts help people get to know people. But going forward, people want to see more of this from Mark. So then they're like, ah, shit, do I got to start getting personal on yeah, my And Instagram? then you run into the risk of, like, a young kid like Mark here, where your life changes, like, as you're going on. So people get attached to you in a certain light. But yeah. at 26, you're not going to be the same person you're right now. Yeah. So you're still going to be able to keep that following. Are people going to be interested as you change as a person? Or, here's another or, one. Here's another one. Mark just, um, him and his girlfriend break up. He's getting rid of, like, a bunch of that stuff. Yep. Fucking, do you want to go through, like, like back in the day, celebrities had to deal with a breakup. What if you get married, whatever the shit, you got to go through a fucking divorce on social media now, too, people, <laughs> yeah. what happened to your life? Like, it's like, ah! And you already, yeah. you already see that. You see power couples or whatever. Yeah. Because people doubt them in their power, or label them in the powerlifting community. Yeah. Where they just suddenly stop training together, they stop posting together, yeah. it's like... Do we have to make it an Every single person starts talking, like, does someone still break up? Like, it's easy if you only have... Like a few hundred followers, like most people, normal people on Instagram have a few hundred followers. If you got thousands, you got thousands of people like, hey, bro, I yeah. need answers. <laughs> I need yeah. answers, damn it. Exactly. People I was emotionally almost, invested. People emotionally, exactly. That's exactly it. And people almost demand answers now. Well, you want an emotional investment, so they follow you. But if they get too emotionally invested, they're going to have expectations. Have you yeah. felt this kind of thing? Like, are you? Do you think about that and be like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. How... how much into your personal life do you let people peep into? Uh, I think as much as like everybody else on like they see what like I want them to see. Yeah. So like as far as like I feel like it's very very like fake now, which is like hard because like you never really even know like who's authentic. Mm. It's like well after they watch this, but like not many people know like I left my job. Not many people know like and the main goal that I had growing up was. Like, I wanted to buy a house at 20 years old. So I did buy a house at 20 years old. Like, I saved everything, worked really hard, had supportive parents that, like, paid for a lot when I grew up so I could just save money. So now it's like, I'm selling the house. It's like, oh, did he fail? Why is he selling it? So it's almost easier not to say anything than go into that personal detail. Yeah, yeah. But what do they see? Like, they see me go out on Friday, Saturday nights having fun, with like different friends, like seeing different girls, they see like the sports car that I'm gonna keep, like driving fast, like heavy lifts, like crazy energy. But like the whole like, like they see like the rebranding of like the jacked Rick Flair of like, boo, like killing it with like so much intensity. But behind the scenes, like nobody really knows. I've made a few videos on it, but you can't even like explain it to someone that would never get it. Like, when I think about lifting, 
it's like, even though like, yeah, sure. My dad had like a stroke and a heart attack like a few years ago and like he has diabetes and all of that. But like my mom's perfectly healthy, but like I'll think of my mom getting like crushed by a car while lifting just to like get in the shittiest mental state possible. Mm, And that's why like, that's tough. So, but like, that's the issue because you can't kick out of that. Mm. So, like, it is very easy for me to, like, get that down and, like, that deep in, but to get out of that is very, very hard. So I'll go through, like, a 10-week prep of, like, nothing but trying to make my life seem horrible, like, I'll be negative all the time, I'll be, like, depressed, angry, like, cut everybody out and almost to have nobody just so I could, like, have nothing to lose. Mm. But then what people don't realize is like after the fact, like after a lift, and that's why a lot of relationships, which I'm working on, like don't or haven't worked out during preps because I'll cut them out. I won't be affectionate. I won't talk to them like because I almost want my life to seem bad. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know what? Like it, that, that's interesting. And that's, that's a, it, it's almost playing with fire and I get it because um, <laughs> I know what you mean. We're mentally, when you're fired up, in terms of weightlifting, it's not like a sport where um, you have to remember the gameplay of a, like like a football quarterback where you have X amount of strategy. It's adrenaline and getting fired up for that moment. Like there are times everyone can 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 um, probably relate to this where ordinarily you wouldn't be able to hit a certain weight. If you get properly all fired up and the adrenaline's going, yes, you can move weight that you never had before. And we all know this. Yeah. Yeah, so then yeah. it becomes a game of how do you how do you make that happen for you? And exactly. I've caught myself, like everyone has an internal dialogue in their mind. Sometimes you could story right in your head. And whether it's work, relationship, whatever the shit, if you're worried about something, you can start story playing bad scenarios. And if you do it too often because you're stressed about something at work, relationship, whatever the shit, um, relationship with anybody... Um, you can start bad storytelling because oh, fuck, you start stressing yourself. You have a physical reaction to it. So you could start actually losing a little appetite because some anxiety comes. And you can start appetite, sleeping. Things can get affected physically from mental what you're doing. So there's both. There's you get fired up and physically you're stronger, but you can also physically over time wear yourself down. And we know this from like uh, different different things come of it. So you it is a fine line between um, if you stay in that rut and you've actually conditioned your mind to, to go to negative places, oh, it's tough to turn that yeah. off. You know that could be tough. You know it's exactly. a, it's one of those. It's a it's a it's a it's a bit of a dance, isn't it? I, I don't know myself. It depends on. Do you think it's possible to use the mental prep motivation side? Is there a way of trying to do it a positive, telling yourself, you know, like who's watching? Who is this for? Who needs this? When I hit this, what does this mean to me? But what does this mean to everybody who follows me who's dealt with this, who's dealt with that, who identifies? Do you think there's a way of trying to use, have you used those or is it just not as emotionally impactful? I just feel like it hasn't been like, like I made a post a few months ago that got really good traction actually. And it was, it's like lifting on the two, the two best ways that I lift. And this is coming from personal because I know like some people could definitely lift more to inspire others. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I just like, 
I can show everybody else that this is possible and all this. But like, I'm coming from the standpoint where like, I'm nothing special yet. Like I'm a like speck on the ground. Nobody knows who I am. People have lifted a lot heavier than I have. Like, it's just like, I almost need to like prove to myself first that I can be something great before I even think about like, Oh, maybe I can inspire others. Um, but like being like, amazing and being better quote unquote than everybody else is where I can lift the best it's like nobody can touch me like I'm winning at life you're losing so I'm lifting more or trying to spark that oh my god there's a baby under a car I need to lift that car to save their life to trigger that type of like fast twitch muscle response to lift a weight that you've never lifted before. It's funny you use that example because um, Tommy Kono, uh, he won like Mr. Olympia way the shit back in the day. And then he went to the Olympics for Olympic weightlifting, Olympic weightlifting champion. And he was the coach of the U.S. National Olympic weightlifting team. I, I read his book back in the day. Really good book. And um, when you go in his office and he's a legendary guy, friends with Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's from that time period, way older. And um, you go in his office and he's got a magazine cover on his wall framed. And it says, Incredible Strength. And everybody thinks, who's on that cover? Uh, this is Tommy Connell, Olympic champion, bodybuilding champion, friends with Arnold and all these guys. What magazine is that and who's on that cover? It's a mother who lifted a car off of her child. And all of her vertebrae broke and her frame could not fucking carry the load. But for that moment, just enough... She got the car up just enough for the car for the kid to squeak out, and um, and he keeps that up there basically as a anything's possible situation with the right motivation, right mm-hmm. time, the right anything's possible. So when people come to him, there's no way, you know. So if he's coaching and you need this specific lift, he's like, "Don't fucking tell me no way, don't tell <laughs> me no way, my man." You know, like yes, it's possible. You know, you yeah. just need the right get get your mind right. You just need the right motivation, yeah. and um. Yeah, I get it. Like there is a, it, it's it's a hard thing to tell someone else to be motivated by something positive. It's like, what if that doesn't scare me enough though? You know, like yeah. I need to be scared. Like, like exactly. It's, it's like, oh, you're lifting off positivity. Well, my life's already so good, so who cares if I get this lift? Exactly. Like if I don't get the lift, my lift will, or my life will still be just as good. Yeah, or if you tell yeah. yourself like. Um, you know, just winning and et cetera. It's like, well, winning is okay, but that's that's not the NLB all for me. But if you told me my family's in danger, I'm fucking, you got my attention. You know what I mean? So I know what you mean. It's tough. It is also um, a balance, like talking about who I see motivating, whether or not, like, oh, why, why me? Why would it be motivating for me if I'm not Larry Wheels, Dan Green yet? But for me, and this is just me, like, my favorite movie of all time is Rocky One, And um, Rocky One, the reason why I love it so much, A, he was just a run-in-the-middle journeyman, middle of a packer, who had an ch- opportunity thrown his way. Worked his ass off, and when he stepped into the, onto the, like, the platform in the ring when everyone's watching, gave 100%, left it all online, lost. Rocky actually, this is made in the yeah. 70s, where heroes lose in the 70s. I love 70s movies because of that, right? Um, the good guy doesn't always win. But the point was, it wasn't just like winning or losing. It was like showing when you almost, it's almost more courageous. When you're seeing the guy, he doesn't have a chance, but he fucking fights anyways. He goes in there, right? bell after bell, round after round. It's like, 
you could stop, man. You're taking a beat. You could stop. And he's like, the bell rings. He gets up and he answers it. And you're like, wish you had that courage sometimes. And wish yeah. you had, like, to walk out there, be bold when everyone's watching. And it was like, aren't you afraid you're going to get embarrassed? Aren't you afraid you're not this guy? You're not that guy. And the person's still like, fuck it. Let's, I'm going to give him away the guy anyways. That's almost more inspiring. It's less, it's almost less courageous for Larry Wheels to take the platform when it's like, well, of course you're going to win, Larry. I'm not as, I'm not as impressed. Whereas Mark, Mark Plummer's like, let, I, I quit this job. I quit that. I got rid of this in my life. I'm going in 100. I don't fucking know what's going to happen. I, I step at night worrying about what's going to happen, but I train my ass off and I'm going to give 100. I see you go nine for nine, hit PRs, get fired up. I honestly don't even give a shit if you're fifth or first. I'm like, fuck, I get inspired by that sometimes. Um, that's and it's very not, true. It's, and it's not just me, because that's why Rocky won an Oscar and everyone loves it, right? The underdog, being a champion doesn't always mean you win. I don't, honestly, I don't even relate to some of these people who always win all the time and it comes fairly easy. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's always too easy for them. Yeah, it's like there's no, uh, there's no courage if, um, if you just win it all the time. There's no courage if defeat was never really on the table. You know, yeah. I was like, ah, it's probably going to win. That's not really courageous mm-hmm. as much. Oh, but um, yeah, have you, like, what, what motivates you? Is, who, who motivates you when you look out there? It, like, it might not even be a power lifter. Like, growing up, did you have, did you, like, who were your idols and what were you into when you were growing up? So it's actually very weird because, like, I don't have the the typical, like, powerlifting story, if you will. Like, mine was a bodybuilding story. Mm. And I, like, to this day, like, I love bodybuilding more than I love powerlifting. No shit. Wow. Yeah. Um, it just happens that, like, genetically, powerlifting has always been like very easy for me to get strong and very easy for me to do well. So when I was 16, uh, my friend just took me to the gym. When I was 16, like I went to circus school. I played sports. I did like... Dude, you went to circus... Well, we got to talk <laughs> yeah. about this. What is circus school like? That's amazing. Yeah, I went to circus school for eight months. Holy um, shit, Mark. Yeah. Dude, you could so, write a book. You're only 21. What did yeah. you see? Like, what do you see at circus school? What are classes like? I picture like fucking um, Professor X and a bunch of people with crazy powers and shit. That's crazy. Uh, it would basically just like gear you to work at a carnival if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it was a little bit of gymnastics background, but like juggling, unicycling. Like, I can still juggle on a unicycle, um, do all that stuff, and like, yeah, handstands, like. Just different weird stuff that you don't really see. Wow, man. So, yeah. And then the typical sports was, yeah, skateboarding, snowboarding, wakeboarding, uh, basketball, and volleyball. But mm. then I ended up stopped growing at five foot six. That's my man right here. Yep. You're a little <laughs> thicker. You're a little thicker. I know that feeling. So when I was in grade like eight, nine, ten, it was amazing because like, I was just like super athletic. I was captain of the basketball team, captain of the volleyball team. And then everybody kept going up and I just stayed here and then got benched. And yeah, so it's very hard, shit. I'm sure you know, to compete against people in volleyball and basketball that are 6'1 when you're 5'6. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. ended up, I put in a lot of work to like everything. And then I think I got kind of tired of like other people letting me down. Which I guess would be your typical, like, why people go into powerlifting or bodybuilding is because, like, they want to do it by themselves. They mm. want to give 100% and just be 100% reliable. 
on like their outcome of life instead of like putting it together for a team. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I got taken to the gym and then trained for six months in six months, squatted 500 pounds, deadlifted 500 pounds and benched 300 pounds. And that was at 16. Yeah. That's a strong it's all on Instagram as well. Yeah. So the form like wasn't overly good, but to be like, cause I did it all a week before my 17th birthday, all like the 500 pound lifts just to say I did it at 16. Um, but I still didn't like powerlifting. I was training like a bodybuilder and just happened to get strong. So at 17, went into my first bodybuilding show and came dead last. Just got my ass handed to me. Did you, so um, how did you feel about that experience? Like, like in terms of the process of doing it, which some people say if you don't love the process, but bodybuilding is so difficult. Like it's the process enjoyable first off when you're dieting and you know, doing like so much cardio and then, and then the last few days when you feel like you're going to fall over, you're so dead tired, hitting the stage. And if you come in dead last, like what was your takeaway from it? Or were you like, fuck it. I I loved it for certain. You know, some people don't give a shit. Uh, So it was hard because like I was in school. Um, so I completely prepped myself based off of like YouTube and online, like that generation. Yeah. So I thought like, oh, bodybuilders eat fish and beans six times a day. So for 12 weeks straight, I didn't have like one gram of carb. I just ate fish and beans. Wow. Yeah. And that was all through high school. And then I kind of cut everybody else out as well because I was so miserable. Yeah, and yeah. then when I placed last, everybody just joked and they're like, hey, like you could have actually done nothing and placed the exact oh, same. Fuck, does that not yeah. piss you off? <laughs> that hurts, man. Yeah. But I also knew that um, I needed to take a break from bodybuilding because at 16 in natural bodybuilding, the age cutoff for juniors 23. So everybody that I was competing against was 21, 22, and 23. So they had an additional, like, five years of training over me. So I just said, you know what, like, I'll take a step back, start working. And that's where my dad found out. My dad's on the older side. My parents had me when I was, like, they were really old. So even though I'm 21, my dad's 65 and my mom's 61. Mm. So they're kind of, like, out of the loop out of the loop of social media, out of the loop of, like, whatever's going on in my life. Uh, He, like, my dad's never actually never, he comes to every single powerlifting meet I've ever done. He has no idea what's going on most of the time. (laughs) He's like, oh, he's lifting, like, 900 pounds. Why don't you just lift 900 pounds? Well, it's like, well, you can't just, like, lift more than you've never, why not? (laughs) Well, it's not really how the body works, but... And then um, he's like, I found, because in Toronto, well, I guess you guys, you guys are from Toronto, right? Uh, just south of it, about 45 minutes south in Guelph. But yeah, same region. So in Ottawa, like high school powerlifting doesn't exist. But in Toronto, it was huge when I was in high school. Oh, really? Like, okay. Yeah, the gyms were like state of the art. And there was like high school regionals, high school provincials, and high school nationals where like everyone around Ontario would come and compete at high school powerlifting. Hmm. So we found that. He's like, we should go do it. So I went to do it and then won overall in the first one and then went to provincials, won overall in the second one. And I still hold all those records from like four years ago. And this was all without a coach as well. And then 
Um, I met this guy named Art Chan, who's competing in IPF. I don't know if yep, you guys yep, know. Yep. Short little Asian yep. guy. Super nice. Yep. Um, and I was going to do like my first regional show for OPA. He's like, I'll just make sure your lifts are good. So he came to the good life and uh, just watched my lifts and said they were good. Went to provincials, ended up winning that. And then even though I was sub-junior, I ended up winning overall for junior, which was 23 and under. And then went to provincials, didn't win overall at provincials, but won my class in 93 kilos. Went to nationals. I actually lost on the overall total in the 93 kilo class to a guy named Jake Navara, mm -hmm. who I like still remember to this day, but I beat him in Wilkes. Oh, because he's just slight. That must have been a close race. Yeah, so it's, he out-totaled me by 25 pounds. Um, but I, in the 93 kilo class, I only weighed 193 pounds. Dude, you were so small for 93. Yeah. That, like, 190, you could have like water cut the rest of that and been in 83 <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So, but it was hard cause like it was two hour weigh-ins. Um, so I never did any type of like water cutting or that until, um, they, so they offered me a spot for the world team, which I turned down because I didn't want to go to Russia and redid it to Commonwealths, which were in Vancouver, oh, okay. which my current sponsor Magnum is also in Vancouver. So they paid for the flight, oh, sweet. which was good. So it was like, and then I just did a photo shoot with them after, which comes back to being a fat power lifter because they didn't post one picture from the photo shoot because I didn't hold the right image. No. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I spent like all that time, which I was like a, a fat power lifter and, um, but not fat, but I was just a chubby 17 year old kid that yeah. was 200 pounds that didn't really look a hundred percent natural. And I was just strong. And they said, you're not marketable. Um, we will never post pictures of you if you look like this. Um, and let, we won't bring you to trade shows. We won't bring you to expos. Like we don't care if you squat 800 or a thousand pounds. Unless you look good, we won't take you. Dude, you're 17. When they say, you're yeah. just saying this yeah. to a kid. They're saying this yeah. to a kid. So that's basically where it all changed. So then, okay, so yeah, this is probably the part that was weird. So then I went to Commonwealth and then broke the all-time world record for squat. No, I, I, I failed by 2.5 kilos. I didn't get the squat record. I got the bench world record and the total world record. And, it, um, and, and, you know, this is – you're doing things nobody's ever done for a kid your age in a weight class where you're s way small and mm -hmm. companies are like, I don't think we could possibly use you. Like, yeah. you know, they say women, and they do, take a lot of, like, it's about your body. Fuck, man. That's a – like, telling a 17-year-old boy that. Yeah. Fuck, man. Yeah. That was, uh, and it was even hard because like that was after I broke the all-time world record for sub-junior 93 kilo class. Yeah. I was on top of the world yeah. and then yeah. I go to the Magnum headquarters and that's what they said. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? For a kid, so. you, don't, you don't, it's hard to, um, especially when adults talk real to you like that. It's different when a kid says something to you, your own age, but when you're a kid and um, an adult says something like that to you, it's it, that, you know, you take it a whole lot more serious. You think because they're an adult, they're they're one they're one hundred percent on the money, you yeah. know. And you're like, fuck, what? Holy smokes! 
So anyways, yeah, go on. Sorry, this is a good yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, so then um, after all that, I had nowhere to go um, after, like, breaking the all-time world record at 17 um, in the 93-kilo class. So I said, like, now what? Yeah. Um, people were failing drug tests in the IPF at this time, like, left, right, center, like, I think there was like four people that, or four or five people that failed Commonwealth. There was three people that failed Nationals. Um, I knew of three people that were on stuff that just never got caught. Mm. Um, so I got pretty tired of like knowing that that was it. Like I passed six drug tests, but a drug test is just how smart you are, unfortunately. Like they're getting pretty good now with taking blood and pee. Uh, but when I was competing up until Commonwealth, they only did P tests. Yeah, they do which, blood now. And they're yeah. also doing, because um, now I'm on the Canadian national team going to the IPF, and they now we're filling out like a so out of competition testing. Yeah, um, they so, did that when I was there. They showed up in my house twice at 6 a.m. Oh, to shit. take P. And the first time was P, and then. So this is, this is a funny story that you guys would probably... So after I won that, you have to sign a clause in the IPF that you'll stay natural for 18 months after you compete at a national or world event. Ah, no kidding. I, didn't think, I don't think I signed that, but yeah. whatever. So, um, yeah, so you can get tested, and if you get caught taking anabolics in that 18-month time frame, even if you will never compete with the IPF again, they'll strip you of all your medals and everything. Whoa, you can't so I, retire and say, I'm officially retired, take me out the testing pool? That's what I tried to do, and they said no. Oh, really? Because I had every intent on going to untested bodybuilding now that I was 18, and an untested juniors 21 and under, so I would be more in like my age category range. Mm. Um, so I waited. I was 17 years old, did Commonwealth, passed the drug test, which was blood and pee right after, and then... 13 months after I competed, they showed up at my door at 6 a.m. Oh, and took shit. blood and pee again. And at this point, like, I was thinking in my head, I'm like, man, like, why don't I just, like, go on a cycle and just do it? But if I ended up doing that, they would have just stripped me of all the records that I held and the medals. So thank God I didn't. And I waited until the end of 18 to, like, go into untested. Yeah. And then you but, said, okay, now I can officially do this. So they were taking blood and pee from you? Yet uh, only after, during Commonwealth and after Commonwealth. So that would have been the end of 2015. So they started taking blood around that time. Because yeah. I think blood, yeah. now I'm not an expert on like how to try to pass a drug test, but blood shows a lot, right? Like blood exactly. Um, but with like being in the untested route now, there's a lot of drugs that will mask what you're taking. Even with blood tests? Yeah. Really? Yeah, there's like, no, not to like try to get people to beat, but there's a, a new diuretic that I actually take for, for cutting weight in the powerlifters. NFL players take it as well to pass drug tests. It's oh. called Boomex. It's B-U-M-E-X. Yeah. Um, and it's a very, very powerful diuretic that basically will wipe your system clean in six hours. Holy yeah, uh, you feel like absolute death. You really can't even move off a of bed. But yeah. if you knew that you were getting tested after a game or in a couple hours, you could take that and probably have like a 60 to 80% chance of passing that test. It'd help it anyways, yeah. Where yeah. they would catch you is if it was an out-of-meat test. 
And it's exactly. Grown. Yeah. Then you yeah. Those up. like random 6 a.m. tests. Yeah. That's where they catch you. At least yeah. they know you're doing it. So how was the bodybuilding when you got back at 18? Was it, did, was it like a whole nother ball game for you? Yeah, it was a whole nother ball game just because it was into the untested realm. And your body will like mature and develop a lot faster untested than it will like years and years and years of like natural training. So at 18, I ended up going back in and then winning. Yeah, I won my class and won juniors. Mm -hmm. Um, Then went to provincials, ended up coming second and third, third and open, second and juniors, and then went to nationals and came fourth out of eight. So I was never like a great bodybuilder. <laughs> but you loved the process. Of, this was your really your love was bodybuilding. Exactly. Just like I don't even know if the love was bodybuilding. The love was the look. Uh, and who knows? Maybe that all stems from being 17 saying you'll never go anywhere if you look like shit. Yeah. <laughs> see, see, these are, these, these are formative years when you're that young. You know, when some, like, um, when, you're, when you're an adult, if someone says something to you, like someone said something to me at my age, I'm 39 years old, someone's like, you look like shit. I'd be like, whatever, man. Don't <laughs> <laughs> fuck yourself. I look it's different. But if you caught me at like 17 and an adult says that to me, yeah, that's the stuff that you just like, you don't, you can't shake it. It's tougher, mm-hmm. right? And especially when you want to make a career in fitness. Yeah. Well, then be it, like an influencer. Prints. Yeah. Because then you're like, damn, so like. They offered me, like he said, like if you can get below like seven or eight percent body fat, like we'll put you on the DNA box, like we'll put you in the magazines, like we'll put you there. But then it was like, and then like, yeah, so much things happened. Like after nationals, I was supposed to have a photo shoot with them because I was seven percent body fat. And then it ended up waiting like two weeks after I competed. And then he called me and said, Okay, I'm going to book your flight. But two weeks after, like, if you guys see bodybuilders, like, yeah. they're not the most dedicated two weeks after yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And then it was so mentally draining to try to get back to that lean after I kind of binged for two weeks that mm. I couldn't get back to good enough where he wanted that he would fly me out to do the shoot. It's, you know, what, do you, what age do you think? I feel like, you know, when I hear the story, knowing how young you were, um... For you to be that worried about like checking your body fat percentages as opposed to just enjoying process whatnot and having people like, what's your body fat at, son? And you're like, you're like, I'm at seven right now. Maintain it. I'll fly out. And then knowing you're, you're so young and being like, oh my God, what if I, what if they don't like me when I get there? I take my shirt off and they call me fat and they say, we can, we will never use you if you're this heavy. Like, you know, you're. Like, I, I, what age do you think you should start? Because it feels like that's, that's rough, man. You're, you, you, you seem like a pretty positive guy who's, who can take it in stride. But I think if you did this to too many young people, some people could go the yeah. whole other route, right? So, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on? What would your advice be if someone's like, I want to go this route, bodybuilding, etc., and they're like 15, 16? Um, I would just say because, like, it's hard. You have to look at the end result. I'll re- like. I'll know that my end result will be like in a perfect world. Like, go back into bodybuilding. Try to be like the strongest bodybuilder that's ever lived. Mm-hmm. But these kids, like, they need to find. They can't. You can't be great at both. 
unfortunately, as hard as that is. You cannot be a great power lifter and a great, great bodybuilder at the same time. Um, so they need to think, do they want to be a skinny fuckboy fitness model? Then just stay lean, put on five pounds of muscle a year, and look good, do the shoots, be in the magazines? Or do you want to put on, like, ten pounds of muscle a year, but you have to be, like, pretty fluffy for the next five years to attain that, like, large physique? Mm, yeah. So, like, I, I, like, yeah, sure, they would say that to me, and I'll, like, like yeah, we'll see in five years when... Like, I cut down and I'm 210 pounds, like, shredded to the bones, and all your other fitness models are, like, 150 pounds, like, soaking wet. Yeah. And then we'll see who you want for the cover in the box. Yeah, it's – yeah, that's true, too, because in terms of bodybuilding, you have your fitness models, you have your, like – there's so many different classes now. And yeah. you have to almost find your, your, your niche and then, the, mm. and then decide and then approach. How did you even end up approaching this company? How did they? How did they end up flying you out? Because for seventeen-year-old, um, it's it's weird. They would fly you out and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so sponsorships nowadays are completely ruined because everyone will do everything for nothing. Everyone will do something just to say, "I'm with a company. Yeah. <laughs> I'm better than you." Yeah. So sponsorships are absolutely just like ruined now. But back when I was seventeen, like we had twenty athletes. Like, now, we have 175 athletes. Holy moly. When you say we, you mean in Canada competing or? Like, in, like, so since they went international, it's, like, the entire, like, world. We have, like, 175 athletes. But now a lot of companies, like, don't even do the athletes thing. You have, like, your, like, do you guys know who Ian Valliere is? He's, like, a Canadian bodybuilder or, like, Chris Bumstead. Yeah, So, or like, let's even say like Larry Wheels, because like we all know Larry Wheels. Yeah. You have, so MHP, who he's sponsored by, yeah. for powerlifting, he's like the face of powerlifting. He's like their main person. Mm-hmm. And then you have 200 brand ambassadors that get 20% off the website with yeah. a discount code of 10%. Yeah. And... It's just like to get anywhere with companies is really hard. So after winning nationals, and I do think because I managed a Popeye, or I used to manage a Popeye supplements before like I started all this, but I started working at a Popeye supplements at 15 years old. Mm. So I think like strategically from a businessman, it's like this guy has potential in lifting. He works at a place that sells our product. Let's give him, so I had a contract of, when I first started with them, I got $150 a month of free product, unlimited clothing, I went to one trade show a year, and I could apply to get a flight somewhere. Fuck me, for like 17? Yeah. And you had, and what did you yet accomplish in bodybuilding or powerlifting? I won nationals by Wilkes. No shit! (laughs) Yeah. Wow, man. So, um... But from strategic, it'll be like, let's give him, like, let's show him, like, some crazy thing, and he'll probably sell our products nonstop in the store. Yeah. That's, like, what I was going to guess from it, because now it's based off of, they don't care if you compete, they just want you to have a big social media following. Yeah. Um, But that came to a halt real quick, and the reason that, like, I don't work for Popeyes anymore is because Popeyes in 
Ottawa has banned all sponsored athletes that works for them. Why did they do that? Because people so they th- Exactly. So they thought like um, that we would just push products that we were sponsored by. Mm-hmm. Even though like we didn't work off commission, it would make no difference. Like we would try to qualify them for whatever they did. They could leave with everything or nothing and it made no difference to us. Yeah. They felt that if you were sponsored, you were pushing products that didn't qualify them. So then they actually gave me the ultimatum to either quit or drop my sponsor. And so you kept with the sponsor? I kept with the sponsor even though, like, hopefully they're not watching this, but it probably won't be long term. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so I, like, I need someone that will also find, like, okay, like, he's a power lifter. Like, like now, like, I have abs. Like, I'm not, like, Larry Wheels lean. Mm-hmm. But like I do like take care. Like even though I squat bench and deadlift on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I'll do my main lifts Monday, Wednesday, Friday at Dynamo Barbell with Jay Nira. And then I will drive to Good Life to train like a bodybuilder of accessory work. Oh, so you you split it. So you got a little bit of both worlds. Exactly. So I'll not like just because I do like looking. So basically an average day without working now is I'll get up and I'll do 45 minutes of cardio every morning. And that's oh, like, is that usually, running or is that just walking? Yeah. Uh, walking. I'll sometimes do 15. If I don't have a big lift, I'll do it on the stairmaster. If I do have a big lift and I don't want to tax myself out, I'll do the bike or the treadmill. Mm. Um, then I'll come home, I'll eat, but I'll eat every day. I don't have a squat, but like a big squat bench or deadlift, I'll eat like a bodybuilder. So especially because I have to make 198 for the current U.S. Open, I'll have right now an average day of eating would be morning would be 300 grams of egg whites, two eggs, uh, 80 grams of oatmeal with some peanut butter. Meals two, three, four, five would be eight ounces of meat, 150 grams of rice and some type of vegetable. And then before bed would be 300 grams of egg whites, two eggs, no carbs. Okay, that's a, that's a, it seems like a lot. Yeah. How, many, <laughs> how many calories is that? Um, that's probably just in like 23s to 25. Oh, that's not which, which is not much at all. How is that's, that? How exactly. That I thought that'd be way more. That's nothing. No, because I'm like, or I mean like 150 grams of like carbs as in like 150 grams of rice, which is actually only like 30 carbs. Yeah, okay. that's nothing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you, you, you don't run out of gas by, by eating that little? So I did, and that's why at the start of my prep, it was actually even worse because on I was trying to lose. So I made a video about this the other day. because you cannot diet like a bodybuilder and lift like a powerlifter. Yeah. Maybe you, like some people can, but there's two ways of doing it. You can either just eat to maintain and do a weight cut to make weight. Or you can diet down, feel like absolute death and shit to the point that you are that lean and then have three refeeds a week on your heavy lift days. Yeah. Well, how much water do you cut? Well, for this meet, uh, it'll be more than usual. Um, So I I haven't competed until I did a for fun meet two years ago, um, which was the EPC Championships. Um. And I was, I didn't even know I was doing it until six weeks out. So I put like this little like six week prep together and I ended up weighing, so 24 hours before weigh-in, 
I was 117 pounds. At weigh-ins, I was 202. So 15 pounds of water? Yeah, but that was without water cutting. That was just with that drug called Boomax. Oh, wow. <laughs> Shit. It flushes yeah. out 15 pounds. No yeah, wonder so, you think you're going to die. Exactly. If you, if you ever got ill and lost 15 pounds of liquids, yeah, you'd be close to death. Yeah, so that's why um, this week, now or not this week, but going into the U.S. Open, I was missing like... So the original diet I was following was I only had carbs pre and post workout. So I was only eating about 50 grams of carbs a day and okay. like 1200 to 1300 calories a day. Um, but I was missing every lift. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Shit. You probably yeah. were missing days. You slept exactly. through, slept Monday, woke up Wednesday. You know? I think it was, was going to go back to like my third week of training. I had 660, which isn't a lot of weight, for three reps. That's all I had to do. Yeah. And I failed it. Yeah. And I'm well, just like. That's, like, <laughs> my wife is like 130 pounds and she'll eat more than that. Like, that's, that's yeah. crazy low. So then I realized that I can't, I because I wanted to diet down like a I wanted to look like I was competing in a bodybuilding show at the current US Open. Mm. When I like took off my shirt, I wanted people to be like, "What the hell did this guy just do?" But then I realized that like with that type of money that they're putting on the line, I shouldn't sacrifice the way I look for performance. My yeah. friend this is this is that supplement company fucking with your mind. <laughs> My friend, yeah. you'll get no extra points for how good you look, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah. You almost got to like seasonal it and be like, look, it, I, I got to smash weights. Like I thought you were going to – I eat like 3,300 calories a day roughly and I'm a buck 90. Um, so I thought for a guy like you, it's smashing weights, you're moving. I was thinking you were going to be like 4,000 and up. Um, yeah. Do you no, think no. what would happen if you ate that much? Do you think? Um, I don't know because it was hard when I squatted. Uh, so last, so it was right after the breakup actually, and that was probably when my mind was like in the lowest gutter. I was eating Taco Bell for every pre-workout meal that I had. Whoa. It was a it was a build your own box meal. You got two beef burritos, cinnamon sticks, nachos and cheese, and a Mountain Dew Woo! for six dollars and seventy seven cents. Damn. I would eat it every single day before I went to the gym. Eat Taco Bell before a heavy workout. That's a, that is a ballsy move. Right that there. is a ballsy move. How did you feel? Amazing. I've never wow. lifted better in my entire life. I ended up PRing for six weeks straight, and I ended at an 805 squat, a 515 bench, and a 745 deadlift. Let me ask you something. What's your promo code for Taco Bell? Yeah. I'm calling you out right now. What's your the, promo code? The, the, the ambassador this, code for Taco Bell. What's your ambassador code, homie? <laughs> but the only issue with that is I... So I ended up plateauing from eating whatever I wanted at 227. For body weight. Yeah. So all of that, like eating that, having three pizzas a week, like with on top of my regular meals. So I would have all my regular meals, but then I would have pizza at night, the Taco Bell pre-workout, yeah. bags of chips if I wanted to. I ended up plateauing at 226, 227. And, and so, how, how much water do you think you could cut comfortably and still yeah. add it on within 24 hours and be okay? I'd say 20 pounds. Oh, really? fuck. That must be absolute hell at the end, though. Yeah, so that's what I mean, like, from the bodybuilding standpoint. And, like, why the, the 
they're the same, but they're different. So bodybuilding, you can feel like shit 24-7 and go to the gym, and the worse you feel, the better you look. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. I can go to the gym and take 60-pound dumbbells and do three sets of 10 and leave, get a good pump, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And after everything, you walk on stage, and if you followed your diet, if you did your cardio, you will look good. It's funny you say but sometimes – with bodybuilding, the worse you feel, the better you look. Isn't yeah. that like a, a bigger picture way of looking at it sometimes where it's like, don't judge. You see someone's Instagram. They look amazing. You see that couple that looks amazing. Yeah. Maybe it'll make me feel better about myself. Like, they're probably not happy. <laughs> That's the way I, okay. I got to look at it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So then it was like, but powerlifting on the other hand is you can be a little more flexible in your diet. You don't have to feel like shit. But Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you have specific numbers you need to hit. Mm-hmm. Like you need to be in your mental game to hit those numbers. But I could have a perfect peak. But if my mind and body isn't on check on that meet day, it was all for nothing. Yeah. Where that's where bodybuilding and powerlifting, people always ask me, they say, what's harder? And I say, it's hard to say. Because like you can feel better through powerlifting prepping, but you need to be on point that day bodybuilding you feel bad for the entire prep but no matter what you're gonna look good that's it because (laughs) overnight you're not gonna get fat overnight so you kind of know where you're at whereas it's true powerlifting is uh, i I sometimes equate it to like you're a gunslinger you walk out every time you walk out on that platform it's like a gun you don't know if you're gonna be faster than the next guy and sometimes when you hit that platform you're like well prep was amazing but the last 24 hours the last week water loading cutting whatever the shit Things can change that last week and everything changes on that day. Or yeah. vice versa, you could have a shitty prep and you're like, whew, I hope, I hope it's here. And then, oh my God, it was there. Just enough. Yeah, just enough <laughs> yeah. in the tank. Where powerlifting's like that. It's hard to gauge. And I guess with bodybuilding, your body transformation from one day to the next isn't going to be like that. You kind of know day before, you're like, I'm looking what I'm looking. Like, I'm not going to gain 20 pounds of muscle. I'm not going to lose 20 pounds of muscle. You kind of know to an extent. Maybe maybe the body hangs on to water certain places, etc. But not quite as drastic as powerlifting. That's why some people, when people bomb out, and they're like, how do you bomb out when you've been competing for 10 years? Because shit happens. Weird shit happens. And you're like, what the fudge happened to my body today? That should have been an opener. Yeah. Exactly. It's hard because like when I was 217 and cut down to 202 without really trying much, um, I lifted like better than I've ever lifted before. Yeah. (laughs) Like it was just like mental. And that's why like I'm hoping that the the cut for the Kearns doesn't take, but I already have it mapped out. Like I'll do a typical water and, and salt like load Monday, Tuesday cut all salt and reduce the water by half on Wednesday. And then Thursday, I'll do a 24 hour fast of food and water. Take like the aldactone and the Boomex, which is just two pretty strong diuretics and Mm. weigh in at hopefully 196. But that's saying like, I also weigh right now about 216. So you drop around 20 pounds ish. Exactly. So I'm hoping to leave for San Diego. Um, I'll take some diuretics for the plane just so I don't hold like a ton of water for the flight. 
I'd probably take like one or two like really mild like diuretics for the plane. But I mean, you could even go like a lot of people get like cankles from flying a lot. If you go to a pharmacy and say, hey, I hold so much water. Like when I fly, can I just have a diuretic? Like they'll just prescribe it to you um, if you fly a lot for business and stuff. Mm. So then I'll take that so I don't hold too much water on the flight. Then do 24-hour fast of food and water. And I've never done like the whole like IV drip, like rehydrate stuff. I'll just do like every 30 minutes, I'll put a little bit of salt, half a bottle of Gatorade and half a bottle of water together, mix it up. And um, yeah. You add from... salt to the water. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, just because salt will help your uh, muscles contract. Yeah. And it will reduce cramping as well. So I take like an electrolyte tablet. Um, I had a buddy who somebody fucking chugged salt water, but like thick salt water. I've, like, I've done that. Bro, that's like makes you sick. I'm like, dude, you're like next level evolved. You could like be lost in the ocean. Everybody's fucked and you, you never wilt. You're like, I'm, yeah. I'm going to fucking eat everybody else in this dinghy because I know for a fact I could drink the ocean if I want to. <laughs> if I get thirsty, you guys are fucked. I just need, I just need calories and you guys are looking like snacks. Right? But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, when my buddy told me about that, I couldn't believe it because usually salt water makes you nauseous. But um, yeah. I guess, can you, like, how, I guess, do you just get used to it or? I don't know. I'm just like, I just added a little bit. The first time I ever did it was for that EPC meet. So it was, uh, yeah, interesting. I, I didn't notice any two difference, but I did, didn't think I added enough salt that day because I don't have like much of like a back arch for benching. But, like, my back cramped up, like, no tomorrow. That's probably – so that's why – so I tried the salt water and it was not was not going to work for me. But I got these electrolyte tablets and um, they come in, like, a case – like, almost like a Pez, Pez dispenser-style casing. And um, they have, so, like, all the electrolytes your body needs. And mm. if you think you're extremely dehydrated, which you probably will be, you pop more than the suggested amount. And, um, man, they fucking – they kick it. They work, and I chug like Pedialyte the whole night. Um, speaking about the Kern, uh, who who you expect? Who you got your eye on for this? In terms of the men's, in terms of the women's, I think most people are looking at Steph. CC Steph Cohen, yeah, yeah, and, and Marianne. But um, in terms of the men, who who are you who are you thinking? Who are you looking at? How do you think things are going to shake up? So I'm like. I think you have to go into anything with like the anticipation that you're going to win. Um, Yuri Belkin didn't even post that he was doing it until last week, which like my heart kind of sunk. I'm like, damn, like, like he's good. He's good. He's good. He's the best of the best. Like there's a reason that people are best of the best. I also have to be like realistic at like an expectation at like, I'm 21. Most of these guys are probably 23, 24, 25 with like a few more years of training. Like, and they haven't been flipping from like doing six months as a bodybuilder, six months as a powerlifter, six oh, months as a bodybuilder, yeah. six months as a powerlifter. Um, but I did notice Yuri Belkin did put in at uh, 242 this fight meet. I thought he competed at 220. You know what? Regularly. He, so he puts in the 242. Sometimes weighs in at two twenty two, which is uh, weird. Yeah. It's weird because like this is how good he is. Where he's like, I could probably cut at least ten pounds of water to up my Wilkes. It would do mm -hmm. like ten pounds of water. We do that with two hour weigh ins in the IPF. Yeah. He's got twenty four. He could do that, and he's like, Nah, fuck it. 
Yeah, it doesn't even phase. No, yeah. so he's. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what he goes in at. And then you got um, Ben Polak is definitely a guy. Polak, that, like Kaylor yeah. Willem, Kaylor, uh, yeah. Ross Petko, uh, Petkov, or Petkov. yeah, um, he's going in at a one eighty one this year, I believe. He's moved oh, up a weight class. So him, I th- is is Ben one eighty one this year. Uh, ben went into 198. Is he okay? Yeah, I say, I yeah I've been watching one. Ben like pretty close just because like I feel that like out of everybody, like our lifts are probably the closest. And like out of 198, like it would I'm gonna guess it's gonna be me and him. Well that's good, the, how does it feel? He dude, he for a while there people talking about like goat status, like he could take over. How does it feel being like, holy shit, me and Ben Pollock are gonna go toe-to-toe? Yeah, I just need to make sure that I have a good day. Um, and, like, that's really it, just being, like, 100%. If I go – so, like, we've already planned out, like, all the attempts and everything. So the second attempt so far are 780 squat, um, a 500 bench, and then a 745 deadlift. Damn! That, in that realm. If I ended up hitting my thirds and weighing in at 197 – like approximately, we undercut the thirds a little because we'd rather have a higher total than like overshoot and lose. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. at like a 602 to a 607 Wilkes on a perfect day. So were you thinking? So what? Because <laughs> this is this these are some huge numbers. Um, I mean, there's the old how how to the book are you with some of these lifts? Because like when you go in there, do you kind of be like, let me take my opener, see how it feels. Add on a little, or you like? Well, who's handling you first off? Ah, uh, so far just me. So I'll probably put my attempt cards in my socks. Holy wow! Shit, yeah, uh, it's just hard from being like from Ottawa going to San Diego. Yeah, like my coach, he's wants to go, but I mean, like it's expensive to go so, to ass. California for a few weeks, and yeah. like as much as I would be like, oh yeah, man, like I'll come top three. Don't worry. Like I'll win five grand. Like I'll give you 500 bucks to come. Like, and you also can't like bank on that. And then like, like, where am I going to get that money if I didn't come top three? Is there, is there anybody down there that you could just pay to handle you that day? So Uh, if nothing else, they load weights, they get in your temps and you have discussions and you have a third eye on that where they're, they're not only looking at you, but they're crunching numbers for you. Um, so that you don't oh, have the to, will. yeah, so you don't have to do too many, wear too many hats. Cause I yeah. know in most IPF meets, their, pe- their coaching services, you just pay them for the fucking, just to handle yeah. me, just handle me. Uh, the girl like holding the meat, Gracie, um, Gracie can't remember her last name, complete animal, but she's actually grew up in Ottawa. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, so, like, we've talked before. I even talked about, like, last week when I was stressing at, like, not making 198. And I said, if you don't make weight, what happens? She said, you still can compete. You're just not qualified for any of prize money. Ah. So if you don't make weight, you're automatically out of the overall running for any of the first, second, or third prize money based yeah. off of Wilkes. And we seen that a lot last year. Yeah, so it's pretty crucial that, like, I do hit under 198. Um, like I'm going to see if my, like Jay can come and then if not, then I'll probably start reaching out I would, like, man. people because it's hard. Like this is the first year. So at the EPC meet last year, uh, or two years ago, I guess I ended up coming in second because they set the rules that it was sleeves only like, and you were not training it. in sleeves. For, no, I was only training in sleeves. 
they switched three days out of the meet when people started to complain and said, that's okay, we'll allow wraps. Oh. oh. So I lost by three Wilkes points to Jimmy Paquette, and he wore wraps and I wore sleeves. Damn. Yeah, and the prize money was 2500 bucks for that. Yeah, you can't change shit three days. Like, yeah. come on, you guys pick your rules so, stick with it. Exactly. So I never, never competed, never wore wraps in my entire life. So I wasn't about to throw them on for for yeah, first yeah. ever meet. And at that meet, like I did do really well, just at well, two hundred and two or two hundred and one point eight pounds, I totaled nineteen oh three. Yeah. Well. And that was without any peaking, any like real weight cut, any like I just did it for fun, just to see like where I would level up and ended up wilksing 540 or 544 or something around that so then that's when i was like okay like i'm gonna do reebok record breakers last year Mm -hmm. and then i broke my ankle (laughs) seven yeah seven weeks out so i talked to jesse he was really nice he gave me a full refund because everything was already booked Mm -hmm. and then i said and then somehow gracie found out about me and then sent me the invite for the u.s open this year so and then i then i said like like this is literally like my shot like my opportunity like i need to show people like that i'm not just some like random like 21 year old kid so if i go in there and like in a perfect world like i mean not this week but the following week we have 750 for a set of two to three on squats so as long as those go well like squat over like squat 804 again bench anywhere from like 500 to 510 515 and then deadlift anywhere from like 750 to 775 at 197 so So this those numbers they should be enough to at least cinch up your weight class i think so because the all-time world record that ben pollock holds right now in 198 is 2032 Mm -hmm. and on my second attempts it's 2037 Oh, shit. Okay. So if I hit my thirds, we're looking at like 2080 or 2070 or 2080, which would break the all-time world record of 198 by 45 pounds. Wow. That'd be an absolutely huge accomplishment at 21 years. Exactly. So that's like the obvious goal. But like you said, like you have to be on point for that day. Yeah. It's like, like it doesn't matter. Like I could hit 800, 500, 800 next week. And then you go to the meet and you do 600, 400, 600. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. it's, it's, um, how has it worked out for the Wilkes? The, is it uh, your weight class is in the heavyweights or lightweight men? That's what I didn't even look into because they sent out an email and said first, second, third. First place was 17,000 US. Second place was 10,000 US. And third place was 5,000 US. And but there's that, never like a heavyweight and a lightweight division. Hmm. And so I don't know if it's just one big overall this year. I thought previously it was 40K for the winner by Wilkes overall. I know. So it seems like it's not like that this year. They reduced it a lot. But the, you do win by weight class as well. Is that yes, the weight? Yes, only a, a thousand bucks though. Okay. Per okay. weight class. And then you also get. Do you get money for breaking world records, no? I have no idea about I think that. you might. You might hmm. get bonuses. Uh, hmm. I can't, we had Gracie on here last year, and uh, but the pay structure hasn't changed. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, there's some dough because that's American as well. No, so, exactly. So that's like quarter of a million dollars Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back here, but I heard it gets taxed quite a bit. You, you'd be back with fucking Conor McGregor when you get back into <laughs> Ottawa. You'd be living, living the so. life. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, um, we're at an hour 15 here, man. I appreciate you coming on here. We'd love to have you back. Uh, you got a great personality. Um, Thank you. Maybe have you back after the U.S. Open. We could recap the whole yeah, competition. See what, see what actually happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah see, see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it, before we let you go, though, uh, A, is there – well, there's one question I always like to ask everybody we have on here. When all is said and done and everybody's looking back at your career and you're looking back at your career, how do you want to be remembered? Hmm. That's a really good question. Especially for a 21 year old. That's tough. Exactly. Because like you said, 21 versus 26, like you'll change. Like as I am right now, like I'm extremely possessive, arrogant, cocky. And I just <laughs> want everybody else. Like, like I want everybody else to bring their best. So when I beat them, I can say like, I'm glad that Yuri Belkin's going because whether he has a shit day or whatever happens on that day, like I want him to have the best day that he could possibly have. I want Ben Pollock to have the best day that they wanted to have. I, if someone was to look back and look at me, I don't want someone to say he won because the best didn't show up. Mm. I want everybody to bring their absolute best. So when I win eventually or this year and beat them, then they can say everybody was there. He hit all tech, like, there was no questions. Mm. There's no questions of being the best. And then basically just to, like, I think that would motivate other people just to be like, man, he wants other people to do their best. And it's the same for life. Like, I just hope everybody can do their best. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, just because you want to build the biggest business or have the biggest house doesn't mean you're going to go burn down everybody else's house that has a big house. It's like, no, like, you, you kill it. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to kill it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. no questions asked of you being the best. <laughs> well said. Yeah, you, I like the analogy. You want the biggest house. You don't have to burn everybody else's house down. Worry exactly. about You focus on you and don't attack other people. You know, let them do their best. You exactly. do your best. Yeah, I think some people to an extent, maybe it comes from insecurity. They do feel like they got to burn down someone else's house. You know what I mean? They do feel like they got to attack when you're both going for the same prize. No, no, no. Let them do their thing. Encourage it. Man, exactly. Hey, I, 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 he's amazing. You can even build him up because you're confident yeah. in what you bring to the table. You're not worried about that. You know, exactly. you, focus, you do you. Um, yeah. yeah. Well said, my man. If someone wants to follow you, uh, where can they follow you on social media? If they want to reach out for coaching, where can they reach out to you? And do you want to thank any sponsors? Yeah, so I'd like to thank like the sponsor that gave me the opportunity to go to Commonwealth. Who knows what will happen with them in the fat in the past? Um, but other than that, like I'm pretty open to everything okay. and seeing where things go. It's hard to be like as much as powerlifting is growing. It's still the image and like personality. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people like powerlifters have very boring personalities, which is understandable because they're probably depressed, really hate their lives, and <laughs> need to live like crazy life. <laughs> which like that's completely okay. Um, what was the other two questions? Um, and if someone wants to, A, follow you on social media so they get to follow your journey and uh, yep. reach out to you if they want coaching from you. Yeah. So the Instagram is the Jacked Rick Flair now okay. um, just because I love the blonde hair and it's all about a show. I mean, like people love a show. Yeah. I mean, like he says like, 
I'm the rolling, like, limousine riding, Rolex no. wearing, like... Yeah. Just I love it. Like, and when he goes, when he goes, and it's getting hard to keep these alligators down because he's got those alligator <laughs> boots. Oh, dude, he's exactly. a shit. Like, and your yeah, videos are entertaining. For anyone listening, man, you get jacked up for your for your videos. Exactly. All types and of like, all types A of lot of people think that that's like an act, but it's like no. Like I'm actually like like everyone's like <laughs> I love some of the comments on your things. They're like that's one that's one angry midget is what people say. But you're not and an angry dude. But you're in that moment. It's different. So people say, like, no way someone could walk around like that. Or that's got to be fake. No, but you're not walking around all day like that. You're not like that right now. But for yeah. that moment, you got to do what you got to do. You got to get that oh. mindset. I don't think people realize that. That's exactly. real. It's real for that minute. Yeah. You know, like people like, there's no way he walks around like that. No, nobody does. Or else they're fucking yeah. jumping in front of traffic. You yeah. know yeah. what I mean, right? <laughs> Trying to look like pick up cars. Yeah, and, like, like yeah, from yeah. Fantastic Four and break trucks. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, I'm pretty weird. Like, I'll dance in like a grocery store and like pretend I'm drifting around every aisle in the cart. But <laughs> that's probably just like, I want to grow up, but like, I don't want to like grow old. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I just always have nice. a mentality of a of a twelve year old, even though I'm thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There Maybe you go. I'll stop getting injuries too, because my brain will just think it's really young. There you go. And um, for for uh, people wanting coaching, just contact you through social media is okay. Uh, through Instagram, like I have a training page called Noble Bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a play on words, which was really good. It's patent patent pending, um, because Noble stands for like the greatest of the great. Oh. But it's actually spelled N-O-B-U-L-L, so no bullshit. Ah, shit, my man. Nicely yeah, so done. I refuse probably seven out of every ten clients that come oh. just because, like, I don't have enough time to waste on people uh, that aren't going to actually give it, which, like, that's probably why I had so many clients last year because, if you like, I have a rule. If you miss three check-ins... Like, I'll give you your money back. Don't contact me again. Oh, shit. Um, you coming yeah. real. you coming correct. Yeah, I just don't care at this point. Like, I don't have time for stupidity. I don't have time for, like, people that aren't going to put everything into it. Mm-hmm. So, like, please, if somebody does contact me, like, if you're serious about, like, getting stronger, competing in a bodybuilding show, then sure. But, like, I don't really take many, like, lifestyle people on anymore. Yeah. Just you don't want to chase people and conv- you don't want to convince someone to do it. Exactly. Do it because you want to do it. Like, yeah. do it because, like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, do you want to, like, I did the whole good life training thing. It's like, oh, you're 30 pounds overweight. Do you want to see your kids get married? Because at this rate, you're not going oh, to. Wow. Like, start using that shit against them. Be like, no, you're disgusted when you look in the mirror. I'm disgusted when I look at you. Like, let's change. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little bit of truth for you. But yeah, just like no bullshit. So it's just like if you can't like take realness, like I'm not going to sit here and tell you you're doing a good job because I, if I'm not hitting, like I love when people are just real, like on comments, like with Jay, like he's like, that was a fucking quarter squat. Like, yeah. He's like, you're going to get three red lights or like, I guess my sponsor when I was 17, you're like, you look like shit. You'll never get marketed. Yeah. Like that's the only way like our generation will change. Yeah, and it it is true too. Like, um, it's easier when you're having so many people come at you for coaching. Sometimes you just want to be like, look, I want to supply you the path. I don't want to supply you the inspiration and motivation. Here and there, something. But um, if it's to the point where you don't want to do it, Mm -hmm. my friend, you that's got to come within. 
Like, Eric, yeah. I don't mind pep talks, but we're talking like, if it's, I got to chase you down to do this, why did you come to me? Like, that yeah. I can understand where it's like, are you sure you want to do this? You know, like, yeah, if, if, if you're feeling it, I'll be the first person to tell you, like, you are fucking rocking it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you're not. I'm also going to be the first person to tell you your shit in the bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's accountability because if it's power, or sorry, if it's bodybuilding, um, yeah, you sure as shit better have some coach telling you, don't step on that platform and take all your clothes off and look like shit. And you're like, it's like, it's like a terrible nightmare you're waking up from when you show up to work yeah. naked. You're like, oh my God. What did I just do? But then you have that coach. It's like, no, man, you look great. You're going to win. Then you place that last and you're like, what happened? Yeah. You're like, why didn't you tell me, Mark? Uh, Fair enough. Fair enough. Listen, man, thank you for coming on. Uh, Much appreciated for your time. (laughs) Stay in touch. And uh, I'm sure she's going to be watching you compete. Good luck with your training, my friend. All right. Thank you so much, guys. No problem. Have a good good one. High energy, dude. Yep. Um, bodybuilding and powerlifting had a bit of a journey for 21. Yeah, he's uh, he's done some stuff for 21. Like done, done some stuff from circus school to getting flown out at 17. Like, I can't picture being 17 years old, having a sponsor fly me out across Canada's fucking bigger than Europe. You know, like, that's from, like, that's like, yeah, Ottawa to Vancouver. You're talking about a five-hour flight. Yeah. And, um, yeah, getting flown, the type of pressure, though, at that young and be like, what did you accomplish so far at that point? And like, he hadn't really done anything yet. And then to have those those conversations like, shit, man, that's young to be in all that situation. I don't know, man. That's a, that's a toughie. Yeah. And I still can't believe that he's still doing stuff like tumbling and gymnastics. He's in big, the middle of... He's a big dude. In the middle of current prep. Yeah. And at his size. Yeah, he's a he big not dude a small to be guy. tumbling like that. No, not by any means. But his numbers seem absolutely staggering. When you're thinking... Like, Ben Pollock is just a phenomenal lifter. Um, One of the all-time greats in his weight class. Smack. Like, he owns the record. He has the all-time record. And for this young guy who's who's been on and off powerlifting, still 21, still a junior. And Ben, that, how old's Ben? Pushing 30? Late 20s. Late 20s, yeah. I don't even know if he's 30 yet. I don't don't know if he is 30, but he's older anyway. He's been around the block. Yeah. I know that. And for this young guy to be like, yeah, we're, we're looking if we have a good day. We might overtake Ben. That's a big name on your resume at 21 for a guy who's half in, half out with bodybuilding, powerlifting, on off, on off. Yep. Um, well, eating 1,300 calories. That's well. He, I, not now. I know. I still can't. Still now. Still only, can't believe dude, that. Still now, it sounds like you eat more than him. You know, if he's only at 2,300, you still eat more than him. But um, but anyways, good interview. Listen, everybody. Uh, if you listen to this. By all means, give us high ratings, post in your Instagram stories, um, because guys like Mark Plummer and all these lifters deserve a little bit of shine. We want to do more U.S. Open athletes leading into the current U.S. Open, and then we'll have um, the usual preview show, break it down, give you our picks, and then uh, we're going to keep it moving right from there into the IPF World Championships, which takes place in June. Same deal. We're going to have a bunch of lifters on the roster coming up and then do our picks so don't go nowhere. Every week, drop a more podcast from Six Pack Lapidat. And Paul Moran's and Lifts. Peace.